0: This is the Saddler's Post, conversations on horses, leather trade, and the art of saddlery with our host, Christian Lowe.
1: My guest today on the Saddler's Post is Will Fickner. Will is a one-person design and fabricator that thoughtfully designs gerbil bags and leather goods that introduce timeless style and function into your everyday life. Thanks for joining me today. Uh, Happy to be here. Great. So, will uh, you know the podcast is all about you know celebrating uh, leather, leather trades, people who work in those trades. Um, you know, I've been following you on Instagram and your social medias for a long time. Um, I think you, you know, in my mind, kind of uh, personify what it is the the kind of makers that I want to talk to. Um, Tell me a bit about your journey into this and and how it how you got started,
0: Sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, I probably got into this a little bit differently than a lot of people getting into leather. Uh, you know, I don't have any sort of equestrian background or um uh, making that sort of thing. i I entered this more from an outdoor industry perspective in a way. Um, when I was a teenager, i well I've always been really into cycling and i really wanted a messenger bag that was a sort of the cool thing to wear if you're into cycling but they were very hard to get in canada you'd see them in the back of magazines and i'm like oh i really want that but they were kind of out of reach but um my family sort of has a background to always just kind of like make things if you need them it's like you don't necessarily go buy them it was like well we could make that and my dad had always made he was Used to be sort of a recreational rock climber, and he used to make back back I think in 70s and 80s you couldn't buy a lot of rock climbing gear, so you would end up making your own harnesses, your own packs, and he had an industrial sewing machine in the basement from when he used to do that. So I just decided, okay, well I'm going to make my own <laughs> messenger bag, and with some help from my dad, we sort of putting, started putting them together, and I was using a lot of remnants fabrics, that sort of thing from old, um, like climbing shops or outdoor shops. But also I started, my dad had a lot of old leather pieces, like old jackets and bags and he started tearing those apart and started sewing some leather bags and that sort of messenger style. And I think that was my sort of first introduction, but like our, my parents' house is always full of like old bags, um, in military or climbing. And a lot of them have that sort of leather pieces and canvas pieces so that's my first real introduction to using any sort of leather um, was sewing these bags but a bit later sort of um i guess so I've, i've i guess i've made bags sort of throughout my life just continued to do it and i went into the bicycle industry and i was continuing to make bags just sort of on the on the side just for fun people are asking me to do them and I just kind of started expanding it sort of adding leather pieces to things. And then sort of maybe the, really the biggest impetus for it all was I used to wear this, I was handed down my grandfather's World War II leather belt and my dad had had it, he used it. And um, I got passed on and I used it for a while. And eventually as was leather and I wasn't treating it properly, eventually it broke down. I still have it, but it's, you know, it's cracked and it was sort of time to retire it. Uh, but I thought, you know, I really want another one of these. So you know, I have a little bit of experience here with leather and bags. I'm gonna going to sort of go in a little further. you learn how to make one, um, finish edges and, you know, so much thicker leather and that sort of thing. And that's that's sort of the jumping off point. That's where I got a little bit more heavily into not just like accent pieces, but actual full, full leather pieces.
1: Yeah. And, you know, and when I say working in leather, I mean, I, I just love that you know it's woven into what you do. It doesn't have to be you know making full-on um, like intricate leather pieces. What I, I think when people go to your website and they'll see um, the functionality of what you do is is there. It seems like a lot, a lot of thought. even if you're say replicating something that you had seen, it's still you've you've somehow captured, function um, and form I'm talking like I know what I'm talking about but I (laughs) what I don't see is just a fast fashion that you're only going to use for a season I see things that are you know where leather is best to be reinforced uh, like a corner of a bag or a handle or something you've done it and these are these are things that people are going to have for you know decades probably like and it's it's going to be something that is going to the beach going to the cottage going to the grocery store um you know it's. I really love what you've done and I think um I think the awesome part of the journey is you're you're jumping off point to today now it's a full time concern with a dedicated space and tell us a bit about I think you just built a new shop
0: Uh, Yeah, I'm just the inside's totally finished, and I've got a roof on. I mean, it needs a little bit of (laughs) some uh, siding and that sort of thing. But yeah, so I mean, sort of how my the journey continued is, I actually went into the the cycling industry for a long time. I had my own bicycle store and uh, bicycle brand. So design kind of has always been part of my interest. But what happened is, I was working. I ended up working so much in the shop. that I stopped being able to do the sort of creative side of things. And it was less, it was less fun as more, you know, sort of paperwork and day-to-day grind. And I wasn't really super enjoying that as much. And then I had my first daughter 10 years ago and I realized, you know what, I don't want to be here all the time in the shop, like where I can't see my family. So at that point, I sort of, took a step back from the store i had a business partner and they we actually brought in another person and i started working well i cut, took some time off worked from home did a few uh part-time jobs and, and i was in the store sometimes but then i started sewing a little bit more frequently and doing the leather projects and set up a full sort of studio in my basement which was pretty limited but squeezed a lot in there and that's kind of how it started and I didn't start, it wasn't full-time right away because I actually ended up spending more time when my, before my children went to daycare and school. Um, So I was kind of working part-time and then built up from there. Um, And then I expanded into my garage. I winterized it and I was in there until last year. And it was kind of at the the breaking point where I was like, okay, I need this business to grow. I can't be in here. (laughs) I don't have all space around my stuff. Like, our life was crazy, like, because all our spaces were my, were sewing machines or leather. Um, so I said, okay, well, I looked around a bit uh, for a space to rent. And it just, after being, renting spaces at the bike store for many years, I thought, you know, this isn't really, in Ottawa, a super viable thing to do and still be able to afford, you know, make, make a living. Um, we don't have a lot of old industrial spaces in Ottawa. It's, a lot of them got bulldozed and everything is just premium. So I thought, well, if I'm going to do this, what about we look at keeping it on our own personal property, tear down the old garage and build something bigger. And that's what we did. I just so we started, I think I started in September last year and basically I spent the whole winter until now building this new space and I mean it's 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 got about a 500 square foot footprint. It's got a an attic so I can store all the materials, so it kind of almost doubles the space. And I mean, it's just, again, it's not the hugest space in the world, but I have all my machines laid out. I can move around them. I don't have to push one out of the way while well, I need to use another one. And it's, I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. <laughs> it's an unbelievable upgrade. So that that's sort of where I'm at now.
1: Yeah, it's kind of exciting. I'm hoping that, you know, future makers or people that are maybe still in their spare room or or in their basement are listening to this and go yeah that's you know it doesn't have to be overnight and again part of this idea of talking to other makers and and you know kind of looking behind the curtain because we all have um you know a storefront whether it be your instagram page can be your storefront and you're you're presenting the absolute best version of your product and yourself. And that peek behind the curtain is like, Hey, yeah, no, nobody knows. I mean, I call myself a guy in a garage all the time, you know, right. and it's, it's totally, you wouldn't know if you pull on to my property, what, what goes on in there or, you know, that's, yeah. you know, that stuff comes out of there um, gets around North America daily. Like it's a, it's a cool feeling, but it's, it's meant to hopefully inspire Other people to say, hey, you know, uh, I was the same, you know, working from home um, when, um, you know, it's great if your kids are in daycare, but anyone who has a child in daycare knows if they have the slightest runny nose, uh, something there, you're getting a phone call. You have to pick your daughter up now. And, uh, you know, we did you know, it's usually the person that works from home is the one that's <laughs> taking care of that. Right. And it's nice. because, you know, Hey, you know what, you can go back out to the shop after dinner, um, and catch up on what you were doing. Um, right now your daughter needs this and it's, it's really nice to be able to say, yeah, no problem. Like, yep. you know, we'll just pick this, uh, up where we left off.
0: Yeah, I think there's something to say about the work-life balance too. You know, I've, as I said, like my previous job, I worked all the time and it's not like this is not busy, but the flexibility of having everything here at the house, like I can walk my two girls to school in the morning now. I can come home, get back to work. Like you said, if something comes up, okay, I'll go deal with it. And then I can work at night or that not having that travel time where I'm having to get in a car or. Or ride a bike or wherever to go, and losing all that time is—it's pretty invaluable. I mean, it's—it's it's very much a traditional small business work model. If you think of all you know, corner store owners or you know, a butcher or a mechanic who lived like above the store, it's like we're kind of we've lost that a bit. But there's so much to be said for being able to do it. And you know, sure, what I like another thousand square feet—it'd be amazing. But it would be a sacrifice in a different way. I think you know, your quality of life.
1: Yes. And even expanding by hiring people, it's it even you think, oh, great, you know, now we can produce more or do this or that. And, and it, it comes again at a price because on the negative side is if you wake up in the morning and think this, you know, I'm not well or I, I'm not feeling it today, I'm not going into the shop. Yep. And as a creator I think you have to listen to yourself and just say hey I'm not going in there today because whatever I produce will I will throw it in the garbage the next day cuz I know <laughs> it was made <laughs> with <laughs> with a chip on my shoulder and it's going to look like I had a chip on my shoulder when I made it and it can't it can't leave here and yep. the fact is if you had staff waiting going hey what do we do today like you were supposed to you know give me my day's worth of prep work that I'm supposed to do or whatever. And it's, it's nice when it, you know, sometimes it can be lonely, but the flexibility that comes from it is, is just income. Like it's, you can't compare anything <laughs> to that.
0: Yeah. And I yeah. think, I mean, I kind of thought about it too. And I thought, you know, this is kind of a, it's a big investment to build this shop. And I thought, well, I I kind of really had to think about it. Like, I'm not going to build this shop and then walk away from this in two years because I want to grow again, you know, I kind of a conscious decision that Okay, I'm going to like figure out what I can produce in this size shop reasonably, you know, I'm going to Because it's larger I can be more efficient, you know, maybe I can bring in I can have my machines more easily set up Maybe bring in a few new ones to and that'll sort of maximize my capacity, but I'm not looking to expand like in two years to a new space. This is like, I'm going to stay in this location and keep it more of a, you know, more of a real artisan type operation rather than a factory production type thing.
1: Nice. Yeah. I think too, you know, people get fixated on, um, I mean, you had a, a your bicycle business, but growth that comes in a business where it's your two hands generating it. Um, yeah. Anything you do to, yeah, I mean, you know that you can only produce so much in a, you know, let's say even you're fine. I'm going to give it 12 hours a day, seven days a week and you know, go, go, go. And then, you know, try and expand and build and, you know, and you realize, Oh yeah, now I've created this. Uh, prison for myself because if I'm leasing a property um, you have to have some cash flow coming in the pressure on you to pay those bills and staff and everything else would becomes the priority so you start taking work that's just generating revenue rather than say you know what it's probably going to take me I mean how many hours your latest bag it's on your website I encourage people to to go and look at that it's a leather bag um what do you what what did you call the bag sorry
0: uh probably speaking about the revival satchel which is that's it sort of the newest uh one i mean they're they're very very labor intensive
1: yeah so just they, tell me a couple
0: they, they're like literally probably two days of work on each bag at least
1: for sure but what i'm what i want to hear you admit out loud how many hours did you put into pattern making, prototyping, like what took it to get to, I'm putting this on my uh, website now for sale.
0: I mean, <laughs> I can't even quantify it. It's that bag has been in my sort of trying to shake it out of my head for years. And I, it's kind of funny because it actually brings back right to my very first bags, because which were messenger bags. And so I think of like a shoulder bag sort of as a messenger bag even though it's not, you know, that doesn't fit that way you'd think of as a messenger bag these days, but it was kind of like my, you know, like I really, that one bag had to be just perfect and I didn't want to release it. So I don't know how many prototypes were made, how many cardboard mockups. It like, it's, I don't even, I can't even put a number on it. Yeah. It's so great. People don't realize, you know, they're like, Hey, could you make me a new bag? And like, I want it to be sort of like that, but different. I'm like, do you realize what you're asking? <laughs> yeah.
1: That will be $10,000, please. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's uh but that's what I you know what I'm trying to get at and 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 spread like that maybe the person listening to this thinks they're crazy and you know I just can't get this you know because you tend to be in there on your own in your own head and yeah. um not knowing no it's It's totally, you're going to make 10 of these and throw them out, or you're going to, you know, and, you know, you're crazy to make them out of quality material in the first place until you're happy, but you are going to invest in, um, the design. And it's the one thing it took me forever and ever to figure out with saddles was that, um, uh, I was terrible at it, (laughs) am terrible at it and, but also, uh, never patient enough with myself. Like, while I was f- trying to work through a problem or figure it out, I would very much kind of gravitate towards, I'll just do it this way. I'll just do it a different way. Right. Like, you know, and, and never give myself the chance. Because, if, you know, when you're working kind of without um, mentorship or someone to say, hey, um, yeah, that's pretty normal. Just keep at it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, I think too, like especially in the modern world where we take so much of our information from social media, it's really easy to just constantly see like new images, like new bag, new bag, and like some people turn out bags really quickly and do their design work very quickly, and it's sometimes demoralizing because you, you're you know you're you do <laughs> your design you're like oh man, this is like I can't do that that fast, I can't, you know, I mean for me, I'm really. I don't like doing things just to, for the sake of doing them i like i want to if i'm producing something i want to produce it because maybe it doesn't exist already or i can do a better job and like the little details for me are so important and i just i find them very hard to rush you know
1: yeah. and
0: if i try to rush them i usually end up with a product i don't like it's interesting actually if someone asks me to design something i usually have an easier time <laughs> than if I come up with the idea because I just I don't know I don't know what it is but I spend so much more time on my own ideas Um, but it's just part of the process like (laughs) sometimes it happens quickly but generally it's for me it's a long drawn out process and you know it's like you think you have a great idea or a great sketch and sometimes you just have to throw it out (laughs) you know and move on to the next idea but if it's not going to work it's it's hard to let go of those steps sometimes
1: yeah it is because uh, not it isn't manufacturing because you're you're it's more similar to uh, I don't know a uh, you know a, a fashion house where right. you're maybe maybe you put just this incredible amount of time into a one-off piece but that piece gets you some notoriety that you sell more you know, simple tote bags, you know, um, but it's still, you know, and you can't just go, no, 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 I'm an artist. Um, because you know, you, you really do need to put food on the table, but you also, I don't know. I find if you just said, no, I'm just a creative, you know, the, the, where my ideas come to me or where I get energized is for me personally, it is, the repetitive task and I'm, you know, I think there's some neuroscience there that, um, you know, I think while your brain isn't engaged, you can, while you're producing, you know, 50 of something. Yeah. And, and your mind is actually working as well on something completely different while your muscle memory is just producing, you know, I've made a million of these and I need to keep making these, but it's, it's the fun part is you know, hey I I have all this space in my head now to be creating <laughs> the next thing I don't know if you if you feel that way
0: oh for sure I mean when I'm I mean some of my really big vo- things I produce a lot of sort of bread and butter items it's like you, I don't think anything about them I'm just like it's just like a repetitive motion and it's like yeah your mind is completely somewhere else and you yeah. kind of get done you's like did I just do that like what
1: yeah <laughs> I love yeah. it
0: but uh, I mean I actually I mean, too, it was interesting taking some time off from doing the, leather, the work and the making bags over the winter while I built this shop. It was, a very, it was also kind of a renewal for my brain. I came back and I was like, wow, I have all these new ideas. Like, where do they come from? And it, it, was, it was interesting taking a break really sparked a lot of new ideas too.
1: That's awesome. It, yeah, I think it's important people remember uh, that it, your ideas don't come out of you know, your brain's not a factory either, right? Like you, if, um, you know, when you hear about, um, uh, uh, authors, you know, when they write a book, you know, they're, everyone has their own little strategy some, you know, you know, rent a room at a hotel and just go there every day to write there. And then they actually go back to their house for their normal, um, domestic life or, you know, they always go to a some exotic place to do something and it's but it's it's stimulating your brain right and making sure that um you know it's kind of that ingenuity strikes um at the most random times you have to be ready and prepared for it
0: so it 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 is interesting how doing different things completely shutting off and looking at things that are seemingly unrelated trigger trigger new ideas Uh, it's, it's fascinating
1: yeah so from a business point of view, um, you know marketing, like when you started to scale up, um, you've committed to building the shop. I'm assuming that prior to the, the workshop build that you were already working full time on this and you know how, how are you finding customers? How much time do you dedicate to that? What, what's the strategy?
0: I mean, to be honest, I don't do a lot. I mean, Instagram, which I'm sort of probably very lacking compared to most people, um, has gotten me a lot of, I guess, a lot of clients. Um, I mean, social networks just between people, you know, strange things like parent groups at the school, you know, just meeting like our neighborhood now is relatively affluent fluent as it's changed and I'd get I end up getting you know maybe contracts through um, people I've met through to for their business they're like oh we want you to do you know like all our Christmas presents this year or something and and do our logo and it's interesting how that happens and just little mentions here and there seems to have really I guess in a way the work is speaking for itself like I I'm doing I think some of the products i produce are maybe different enough than what other people are doing that they tend to get noticed um yeah, I yeah. it's kind of a funny thing i have i kind of di- i divide my business into two sections i have i do some retail i sell to some retail stores um and i i make two products which are a beer and, and wine carrier um that have I guess they're a very unique look and they've been popular and I look at that retail business, although I sell quite a lot through it. I look at it a bit as a marketing tool for my, for the company. So hopefully someone's like, Oh, I'm going to buy this. And they're, I'm going to go check out this, this website. And I think I get a lot of traffic back that way. Um, obviously bags and that sort of thing. I don't have the ability to wholesale them because they're just too labor intensive, but I find sort of the entry point is, a lot of my retail, so I have like some retailers, you know, Toronto, Quebec city, Ottawa. I, you know, some, I've worked with a bunch of other like breweries, um, vineyards, that sort of thing where I co-brand, put their logo, my logo on, and it, I don't know, it seems to have been very effective at spreading the brand.
1: Nice. I think, um, I, I kind of feel the same way whenever I, in the past, Uh, years ago I got away from this but in the past when I did paid advertising trying to like oh let's get some more business new business in and the clients were always hard work and I no disrespect to the client but when something comes in from word of mouth like my friend Sheila told me to contact you you're the only person to trust with this problem they were always easier to work with everyone understood why you were there that it was going to cost a certain amount uh, all of those things kind of blanks were filled in way ahead of time versus the you know oh i saw an ad in a magazine or you know a banner on a website or something and and you get this rush of inquiries that take up a lot of time yes. and and as soon as you get down to the nuts and bolts, like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll reach out at some point. And it's, it, it never happens, but it's, it's still, uh, a lot of time consumed or if you do end up doing business together, it's always, um, they didn't have the benefit of that. Hey, my, I saw what you did for my friend and yeah. that's, that's the experience I want. It was kind of a big piece of the puzzle missing. So I kind of like how you've done it and it, it means too also that your your social media your products your you know business style is being mentioned because it's it's favorable people want to share that i think yeah. that's the most important thing
0: yeah and i mean you know i i think all of us we maybe not all of us but i do at least uh, we have this kind of get locked into this like we gotta do this social media thing because that's where everything's coming from but if i actually think about it i mean there is i am getting a fair bit of business from that but it's really these these word of mouth kind of connections and and as an example there was a tote bag i developed a number of years ago and i actually had a, a bunch of um friends at the school who parents who wanted to i was like hey look i'm making these bags you want to take some try them out let me know what you think and kind of developed it and got these bags and it was funny because everyone was like started asking like what are these bags you're wearing (laughs) and and then i started selling a whole bunch of the bags to other parents because they were sort of seeing them around the schoolyard like hey i noticed you got, got a new one of those bags like what's what's the deal you know and it was kind of this interesting you know like really grassroots kind of latching onto it like they helped me out with the design you know i give them some bags to use and it just kind of went from there and that that word of again that's that word of mouth or seeing it in person really is very effective yeah i know
1: um anytime i've been developing something and the most you know the most recent thing would be on the leather care side of things it's interesting when you bring um Clients, but they're friends as well. Like people who are always stuck by your side, no matter what you're doing, and you involve them in the process. They are so excited to share and push. They're your best sales reps for sure. So it's a lot of fun watching them. Yeah,
0: yeah. No, it's. I mean, those are the those are the number one relationships for sure. And you know who's who knows what's going to happen with social media down the road as it gets harder and harder to figure out how to use. Um, You know, these other avenues, you know, they're, they're effective. Like, I don't even know what else is effective anymore. (laughs) You know, when I was back in my bike store business, we were still doing like print ads and all sorts and radio ads. And it's just, I don't see any possible way to be effective anymore. So, I mean, I think these are, I mean, unless you're going to become a full-time, social media person you're just going to produce content but then i don't think you can produce pro- products yep. so, <laughs> i don't know it's kind of a it's a bit of a vicious cycle like you pick your, pick your route i guess but uh, i prefer making things
1: yeah uh, i i agree i'm the same and i just started to like 50 percent hand off social media management to somebody else and I didn't do it a hundred percent just because it's a big leap financially so I thought you know what I'll just do a little bit and experiment and test drive this and um, and it is you know when they start saying oh yeah the managing I kind of thought it was a fictitious job but it really is uh, a lot of understanding algorithms and uh, you know what to post when and what hashtags to use and all that stuff and I'm just like I I don't want to know more than i know about it (laughs) like i really don't like i i'm not interested in in learning and becoming my own social media manager like it's it's, i'd rather just be in the shop yeah
0: yeah no it's uh it's interesting it's it's um yeah it's really it's really interesting to see sort of this divergence i see now between people who are really making things and they're really not probably doing what they're supposed to be doing social media, unless they have someone else to do it. Yeah. And then you just have people who make a single product, maybe they, they show you how to do it, but they never sell it. They're making their money from the content.
1: Yeah. You know, I do a ton of research. I'm a, I get to work in an industry I'm a fan of. So, you know, my, my passion, my job and my hobby, tend to be all rolled into one. I mean, I have other interests and stuff, but you know, when I'm, uh, say, you know, the part of this podcast was just an extension of, I, I want to, all the people that I'm coming across on my uh, spare time while I'm, you know, looking around YouTube, uh, you know I want to talk to them so why don't we record that and put it out and I'm sure other people even if it's you know a handful of people who are listening to this I hope it's the right handful who go on and go yeah I like something from a hundred years ago I'll just make stuff and sell in my own little um, bubble I don't have the idea of that success is international sales and you know millions of dollars worth of revenue and how many people you employ it's ridiculous right if if you know i'm super excited that i keep myself busy enough you know like i I have you know people waiting you know it's 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 just doable and without feeling a ton of pressure and sleepless nights or anything like that
0: no, for sure i you know i also i think these i really wonder if we'll see more of a return to this you know when i started doing maybe getting more involved in looking at learning the real leathercraft side of things i mean there there was no youtube or any of this sort of this thing it was it was very insular you like you had to kind of just experiment you know you read there's a little bit online at the because i mean things weren't as developed back then and I mean, you're reading books. Like, I didn't know any other leather workers. (laughs) You waste a lot of material, but um, you see, like, I don't know. It seems like there's a resurgence in people wanting to do, to make things again. And and I don't know if it's because we're, as generally a Western society, we stopped making a lot of things and we just outsourced everything. Um, It seems like there's a, maybe there's a reaction against that. Now people want to start buying things that they have a story that maybe they, they know the person who's made it. Maybe they want to get involved in their, themselves. And I could see sort of, I would love to see in Canada some more small businesses like this sort of resurgent and almost have like a cottage industry of, of uh, products like high quality products.
1: Yep. I, I agree. This is again, you know why I want to have these conversations, and and I know I lost my train of thought there a little bit before. But the, with YouTube, you're right; and not, so much more is accessible. But again, kind of feel like the the people are really focusing on. Um, look at a wallet I made. You know, and the, the burn, burnishing of an edge. I've watched. I mean, how many? edge burnishing videos are on youtube I, must be phenomenal because i just they keep <laughs> cropping up and cropping up but i'm like you got to get more interesting than yeah great you can see a reflection in an edge but you know i want to know more about you know the design or you as a person or you know again the business side of it is this just one that you made that you could never sell at a normal price because the time you've put into it isn't (laughs) you know (laughs) like (laughs) no for sure i mean
0: it's a challenge i find that a challenge too i mean i used to you know do a bunch of craft shows i tried a few years and i occasionally do one or two but it it was you get a lot of enthusiasts go to those type of things who, who you know made made all their wallets so i don't make wallets. i rarely make wallets because i'm competing with that and they're you know i don't think there's anything wrong with it i think it's great that people try it out and they make them it's just very difficult for people who do it full time to compete with that because typically they sell them for less than they cost them to make (laughs) even the cheaper than the materials maybe they paid for which makes it challenging for us and that's in a way another sort of has helped me focus my business where i look and i say you know what i'm not gonna play in those circles because i don't need to you know i've I'm luckily have built up quite a few you know unique machine. well not unique but like hard to <laughs> access machinery and skills that i can tap into like why don't i just do that nobody like very few people would ever be able to compete with that yep. so why play that that other game
1: well, and your the stuff you're producing, like the quality, when I look at it again, it's you. You would see that in, say, what the British would call high street stores or, <laughs> you know, you, you'd see it. Um, you know, Roots is an example. Um, I don't know if they're still producing in Canada or not, the leather uh, goods. Yeah, I'm might, not
0: sure. I, they were up to a few years ago, at least.
1: I I thought so. It was kind of like a feather in the cap. But you can go, like for an average person walking through a mall, to see, you know, high quality leather bag that's, you know, kind of, I don't know. You you know that it's going to be $400, 500 $600, right? Yeah. And th- that I think it's not even it is a mass produced item or whatever so it's kind of nice that you can go again like, to you know co- the cottage industry see something done to a high level know that yeah how do i say it a hundred percent of that money is actually going to the maker um yeah. rather than high overheads of retail space uh, a lot of staff and you know all the the overheads that go with that because to sell a bag for 600 dollars in a major mall you know that you know the input costs has to be really low so they're you know materials the construction methods um even if they're using great materials you know that the assembly time would have to be um as as minimal as possible
0: yes absolutely and And likely, I mean, not all companies, but likely paying the craftsperson quite a low wage.
1: Yeah, it's true. Yeah. That's the one thing that I find, um, you know, not that there are a ton of jobs in the leather industry, but, you know, for sure, you know, like it's not the highest paid if you're working (laughs) for somebody else. Like if you're in a tax store doing repairs, if you're at a... You know, working at a, a cobbler's, you know, it's it's not a six-figure job. <laughs> That's for sure. Which is a shame because, you know, the the amount of, you know, repairing something, especially on the repair side. I mean, the alternative is you throw it out and buy new. Yeah. And eventually you're going to be like, well, if it's just disposable, I'm just going to buy cheap. And when it breaks, it breaks. Yeah. You know, so now what are we, we're creating a... An attitude of yeah who cares just throw it in the landfill and i'll just buy something that looks pretty for as long as it does and then you know move on it's it's not a i'm so glad that there's people like yourself going no no, no this what i have produced will still be in fashion 10 years from now because not only will it just look better year after year like I love what happens with wax cotton or certain materials they just age beautifully and they look like you could start a business selling used product and probably get as much for it because there's people that want that look but it's the um you know because it's quality um it just just it doesn't look shabby or you know it looks fantastic and we'll keep going
0: yeah no absolutely and i think i mean that's always what's appealed to me with the materials i like to work with is that kind of timeless timeless material look it doesn't you know it's not going to crack over time like vinyl or 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 whatever you know it's just it, it keeps going like you said and um i mean i'm not necessarily married to traditional styles but the materials i'm more married to
1: (laughs) yeah well in some things we i don't know you do a lot of outdoor stuff and i have to admit like i have my traditional wax cotton you know i'm raised by british immigrants you're you you know you've got a lot of wool and wax cotton jackets and things like that and You know if you're going say on a hike or spending all day at a horse show and it's raining like crazy a nice lightweight Gore-Tex type fabric uh Helly Hansen whatever it is pretty awesome (laughs) you know versus (laughs) the stuff that weighs three times as much and whatever but I still feel one really does look better than the other like (laughs) give me the traditional materials um you know and there's a reason why i say companies like barber um really like you can't tell me their business isn't going well and they're making traditional um traditional things out of traditional materials i mean the designs change and freshen up and and look yeah. you know maybe a little more modern with the cuts of and you know and and in design but really it's so cool to see that you know it's a it's proof that yeah the materials aren't the things that need to evolve like we had some pretty good um you know materials to begin with from i don't know second world war yeah. first world war on maybe whereas there's so many things that were developed in that kind of industrialization of of things i don't know but um and,
0: and often still work better than any of that modern stuff like uh I mean as an, just like an off example here like I'm really I have a few jackets that are made of ventile which is basically just very tightly woven cotton that was designed um in World War 2 for uh, pilots when they they ditched their planes in the ocean they would help them survive because it's waterproof but it breathes and I mean compared to a modern Gore-Tex jacket they actually breathe better and they're waterproof because the the cotton just tightens up when it gets wet yeah so it's amazing some of these old technologies that were kind of abandoned are actually coming back because they work better. And I mean they're I mean what's better for the landfill cotton or like untreated cotton or you know a bunch of polyester that's coated with all sorts of
1: yeah it's a byproduct chemicals. yeah byproduct of the uh, um, petrochemical industry really, right? you know uh-huh. scientists are working hard on it every day <laughs> yeah so what's uh, what's on the horizon i mean i think for you it seems that you know progress isn't necessarily more or bigger or or, or whatever it's it's that creating harmony between all your facets of of life right
0: yeah i I mean part of the idea was to streamline sort of my operations a bit so things were so i could make things more efficiently but you know i'll for me i really enjoy the design side of things and the process of developing a new product so you know as things i'll probably you'll see me introducing over time more, more products maybe some old products will disappear but um I'll keep, you know, I'll keep a bunch of my staples, but it'll be a sort of all at a manageable level. I mean, right now reopening, I'm trying to, <laughs> I'm trying to get all my products back in stock because people are going crazy. Oh, I need this, I need that. And I'm, oh, <laughs> I can't make it all at once. But uh, I mean, that's trying to get my right now. I'm just trying to get that balance back, have some stock, and then introduce new things as I have ideas and have time. But uh, keeping it kind of at a level that's, you know, it's like a smaller scale that I I'm going to be most like I'm not outsourcing. Um, yeah. I mean, it's going to be me doing most of most of everything. Maybe, maybe one day I'll bring in someone else to help out with social media, or maybe do some sewing on my more basic things. I don't know, but it's never going to be a monster operation. I just, I'd rather keep it more just more, more me, I guess yeah. I, I've done the bigger thing before and it's, you kind of end up losing, I think in a way, what you want to do? And I want to make sure I keep doing what, what I really like.
1: Yeah. Someone, entre- I mean, that's the other hat you wear is entrepreneur, right? And some people yeah. that's their main hat and you get the feeling like it doesn't matter. You guys, you, you know, you could be doing um, anything from an ice cream business to, um, Uh, clothing store to whatever it's just more important to you to be an entrepreneur than a creative or whatever and I you know it's kind of cool with you know talking to to makers that are like no no we have our eye on everything but the reality is you know the if if whatever decision I make isn't going to make isn't going to take away um, from my time at the bench you know right. and designing and stuff i i and again you're probably consciously or maybe not consciously you're making that decision that yes you know that that might mean a lower income but the intangibles are priceless
0: oh absolutely right? I, mean, I mean i don't think there's many of us that are going to be ultra rich running <laughs> this kind of a business <laughs> but I think I mean as I said I had that previous business but I wouldn't say I'm an entrepreneur by choice I'm more of an entrepreneur because <laughs> I'm forced to be because I want to do something that didn't really exist in Ottawa Yeah, you know, we don't have like much industry here at all it's a government town so it's like well if I want to do this I've got to Do it myself, and that's so. I guess I'm gonna be. I'm going into business, and uh, you know, it's it's challenging, but it's it's rewarding. I there's some things I don't like about it. I don't like uh, finishing up tax season, you know, which I just did. Or oh yeah, uh, you know, having to do having to do everything all the time is is challenging. You know, okay, i got to do the social media. I've got to oh, I've got to do those orders or. Like tomorrow, I have to run down to Prescott to pick up a big order of leather that I had shipped across the border, and you know, it's sort of uh, there's always something else. But I mean, I don't, I don't really know how I would be happy if I wasn't able to be creating or, and sort of had a really serious outlet for my ideas. It would, I think, life would be hard without that. It's.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Again, coming back to why did I want to start this podcast? Why do I care? We could have this conversation privately on the phone, and and just falling all over each other to agree. But uh, it's yeah. that message. It's it's that um, the it. I guess it's the people I'm most curious to reach are the ones who are, you know, I'll do that when I retire, or um, uh, I don't know it's it's just trying to encourage them to go no you're not alone and your mental health your you know we're there's there's people out there doing this and surviving you know it's yep. not a new car every two years and uh domestic uh you know destination vacations or whatever every every year but it is uh, unbelievably more rewarding, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I,
0: I don't really. It's just. Yeah, I. I think life would, for me, would not be very, would not be great if I wasn't able to create all the time. I mean, if I go through, I know in the past, in periods where I'm, I'm doing other things and I couldn't be creative, it's, it's very demoralizing and it's frustrating. You just like, it's like you're missing something. Something's gnawing away at you. You need to get at it. <laughs> and i mean I'm, I'm also lucky i have like a really my wife's very supportive of of what i do and yeah, <laughs> you know same here right I, I don't think i could do that without a really supportive family my parents are really supportive um yeah i mean yeah. they're not like oh that's a crazy idea what are you thinking <laughs> you know, like you can't do that it's like okay well let's take the next take the next challenge it's a risk let's let's do it you know
1: yeah now i'm the same your network your your inner circle is critical um but, you know that it's it's not just sometimes financial support it's also that um, someone understanding you know it happened you know just recently where I'm like I, I just need to be in the shop doing what I have to do and I the door will be locked I just need to be in there Doing, yeah. um, creating, and it's 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 just a need, to you know, have to do it. And sometimes you know you just need someone to go. Of course, of course. Don't worry about it. Like yeah, we we know that you need to do that, and you know it's um you know more important that you do that, scratch that itch, and the person you are because of it is who we're interested in being you know, married to and a parent and you know, the quality time um, is so much richer.
0: Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think it helps too. My family like has a background in being very creative, I suppose. Like, you know, like my grandmother was into calligraphy and my cousins are photographers and puppeteers and my grandfather, you know, wove baskets and my great grandfather made, was a cobbler and that, you know, also I think, that sort of it's a very normal in a way in the family being sort of i guess that need to make things it's so maybe that's yep. i'm sure that helps as well
1: yeah it's a similar background to me where you know family extended family so many trades people but also like you know my mother with you know a grade eight education i think is you know uh, a a beautiful seamstress just fantastic and you know made sure um that she passed on uh some of the knowledge like you know that you know i you know when you get to uh, it used to be in uh grade seven and eight that they did home ec. i don't know if you ever went through home where they're like teach you how to sew on a button or teach you whatever and you know everyone in my family was like yeah i already have my own clothes and sew on my own buttons <laughs> and just like can i just go outside instead of having to do this but uh yeah it's 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 nice to be able to be from a creative family and and just be exposed to that because you know a lot of a lot of people just that's not in their dna and that's that's fine too right. but you know if you're the child of someone like that it's um you know it's and it's you know partly an extension i think you know just exposing your kids to creativity or arts or you know whether it's theater or painting or figure skating or dance or you know creating something of any kind is you know critical
0: yeah no i think it's uh, definitely important sometimes i wonder if i'm doing enough for the creative of, of my kids because i'm always working on it but uh actually you know over uh, over the pandemic and then over time when kids have been homesick, we've actually done some projects where they've made their own bags. so that's that's kind of fun too yep I give it, i'm giving them a little bit of it
1: <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> i think like like all kids of trades people they're worried about it. am i just free labor or are we actually spending quality time together <laughs> <laughs> you're just training me yeah exactly. well i'm gonna leave it at that i could just absolutely talk all day with you but um we'll have to uh Ended at that. I want to thank you so much for coming on the Saddler's Post. And um you know, wish you much success in the future.
0: Thanks very much. I'm Will Fickner, uh from Wilboro, Ottawa. I make bags and leather goods, and it's been a pleasure to be on the Saddlers Post with Christian Lowe.
1: This has been the Saddler's Post with Christian Lowe. Thank you for listening.
0: The Saddler's Post is sponsored by Christian Lowe Leather Care. Visit ChristianLowe.ca.